0: Or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, Dee will be joining us every week.
0: We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner.
1: Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor
0: podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
2: Welcome to the Haunted Estate.
3: Hello, my little spooky babes. It is your host, Selena Myers, here for the fifth episode of The Haunted Estate. We have made it to number five. Look at that. How fantastic is that? I am sitting at The Haunted Estate. If you look at that picture, that, you know, middle window, thinking about Halloween, which, oh my goodness, is less than a month away. Let me say that again. Less than one month away. And I am just picturing all you guys coming over to The Haunted Estate to get your treats. Yes, I i know you're mostly adults but still my question is what are you wearing it falls on a saturday are we going to the bar are we are we gonna do something fun also big shout out to chicago illinois we are for some reason very popular in chicago illinois which is awesome so thank you and welcome to the fifth episode of the haunted east state
2: On September 26, 2015, there is a paranormal conference called Paracon. You can find tickets to this paranormal conference at rosecityparacon.com. The this estate we'll have a table here where you can record your own story or stop by and grab some snacks. They have great speakers that speak about demonology to ghost hunting. Many, many speakers and vendor tables are available.
3: Yes, you guys heard it. I will have a table at Paracon, which is, I think, in Windsor or just outside Windsor. It is a paranormal conference. They have speakers like Ben Hansen, Katrina Weidman, which I'm sure is from Paranormal State. I know there's a guy um, doing a whole presentation on demonology. It it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have my setup. Feel free to come on in and record your own story. I'm going to have my staple. I'm going to staple some of my business cards to some candy if you want a business card, but if you're listening to this, you obviously already know that it's gonna happen... so... So if you want tickets to that, it is www.rosecityparacon.com. And that, yes, is on September 26, 2015. So as I talked about in the last article, we were talking about the 10 top haunted items. Went into a tiny, tiny bit about the Myrtles Plantation. So I did some research, found a really cool write-up about the uh, plantation, it really interests me. So that is today's little bit of haunted history. We are going to go into that.
2: The legendary Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana, has long been regarded as one of America's most haunted houses. And while scores of ghost hunters will smear the fact that the house has been infested with ghosts, these same investigators will be puzzled to learn a few of the stories that have been passed along as fact actually occurred. This house is certainly haunted, but not for any of the reasons that we have been told for so long. For the first time, discover the real story behind the Myrtles and its plethora of ghosts and hauntings.
3: The history of the South will always provide us with tales of romance and mystery. The saga of Antebellum South, and a lifestyle that will never be forgotten lives on and at the grand mansion known as the Myrtles Plantation, high on the hill of St. Francisville. The drama of the Myrtles began in 1796, when General David Bradford, also known as Whiskey Dave of the Whiskey Rebellion, fled to the United States to avoid arrest and imprisonment. Bradford arrived at Beyucera when a Spanish colony had obtained a land grant for 650 acres from the Baron de Croix to begin a new life. In 1820, the Myrtles was sold to his son-in-law, Judge Clark Woodruff, who remodeled the mansion. Fourteen years later, the house was sold to Mr. Ruffin Sterling, who completed the mansion in a grandeur state that one can see today. The 125-foot-long veranda is noted for its ornamental ironwork. The entrance foyer contains some of the finest examples of faubois and open-pierced fries work in existence today. The French chandelier is a barricade crystal and weighs more than 300 pounds. The stained glass entrance, original to the house, was hand-painted and etched in pattern of a French cross to ward off evil. The ladies' and gentlemen's parlors are mirrored re- with reflections of each other. These two rooms are identical in size and exhibit magnificent open priest frieze work and molding. The Carrera marble mantles grace the north and south walls of the parlor. The Myrtles Plantation invites you to step into the past for a visit of antebellum splendor. Relax in the giant rocker on the wide veranda or stroll through the historic grounds laced with live oak trees, crape myrtle trees, azaleas, and other flora and fauna typical of the antebellum plantations. We hope that the history has piqued your curiosity and that you plan a visit with us to learn more of the history and receive an introduction to the mystery and intrigue that surrounds one of America's most haunted homes
2: The legend of Chloe
3: According to the story, the troubles that led to the haunting that began in 1817 Was when Sarah Matilda married Clark Woodruff Sarah Matilda had given birth to two daughters and she was carrying a third child When the event took place and still haunts the Myrtles today Woodruff had a reputation in the reason for integrity with men and with the law, but was also known for being promiscuous. While his wife was pregnant with a third child, he started an intimate relationship with one of his slaves. The particular girl, whose name was Chloe, was a household servant, who, while she hated being forced to give into Woodruff's sexual demands, realized that if she didn't, she could be sent to work in the fields, which was one of the most brutal works that a slave could do. Eventually, Woodruff tired of Chloe and chose another girl to whom to carry on with. Chloe feared the worst. Sure that she was going to be sent to the fields, she s- she began eavesdropping on the Woodruff's family's private conversations, dreading the mention of her name. One day, the judge caught her and Doing this and ordered her ordered for one of her ears to be cut off to teach her a lesson and to put her in her place. After that time, she always wore a green turban around her head to hide the ugly scar that the knife had left behind. What actually happened next is still unclear. Some claimed that what occurred was done so that the family would just get sick and that Chloe could nurse them back to health and earn the judge's gratitude. In this way, she would be safe from ever being returned to the fields. Others say that her motives were not so pure, and that what she did was for one reason only—revenge. For whatever reason, Chloe put a small amount of poison into a birthday cake that was made in honor of the Woodruff's oldest daughter. In the flour and the sugar went a handful of crushed oleander flowers. The two children— and Sarah Matilda each had slices of the poisoned cake, but Woodruff did not eat any of it. Before the end of the day, all of them were very sick. Chloe patiently attended to their needs, never realizing that it was an accident that she had given them too much poison. In a matter of hours, all three were dead. The other slaves, perhaps afraid that their owner would punish them also, dragged Chloe from the room and hanged her by a nearby tree. Her body was later cut down, weighted with rocks, and thrown into a river. Woodruff closed off the children's dining room where the party was held and never allowed it to be used again as long as he lived. Tragically, his life was cut short a few years later by a murderer. To this day, the room where the children were poisoned has never ever been used again for dining and is called the game room today. Since her death, the ghost of Chloe has been reported at the Myrtles and even accidentally photographed by a past owner. The plantation still sells the picture postcards today with the cloudy image, which is purported to be Chloe standing between two of the buildings. The former slave is thought to most frequently be encountered as a ghost at the Myrtles. She has often been seen in her green turban wandering the place at night.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs
3: sometimes the cry of little children accompanying her appearance at other times. Those who are sleeping and are startled awake by her peering at them from the other side of the bed.
2: And now a personal account by Charles Walton of his experience at the Myrtle Plantation.
1: So anyway, I'll start with 2007. In 2007, I was on a courier run going through uh, the area where the Myrtle's plantation was, And for some reason at the time, I had an idea that the Myrtles was in northern Louisiana. I didn't realize how far south down it was. It's not far outside of Baton Rouge. And so anyway, um, I drove by, and I saw the sign outside. So I decided to to drive in there. But I waited. I had a um, courier run. I had to make a delivery. And on the way back, about 30, 45 minutes or so, I decided to stop on the way back. So I kind of look around and spend more time there. And so that's what I did. I pulled in. And... That actually ended up being one of the scariest occurrences that I've ever witnessed. Uh, when I first pulled in, uh, I was probably about maybe 20 yards off of the, out of the gate area, moving into the plantation, and all of a sudden, these uh, three white ghostly figures appear, and they moved from the um, the oak trees. They have a lot of really large oak trees, and they moved from the right to the left down. And as soon as they did, the most frightening, very loud female voice. Uh, it was just very eerie it sounded like it went for miles just screaming just as loud as you could humanly imagine and so obviously that was very shocking to me now when i first experienced this i figured well this is just some kids playing a prank or something you know i don't know how they're pulling this off but that was my first thought because it just didn't seem like reality and so um i picked up i went to pick up my camera i remember because i was going to try to get video footage of it as soon as i did something knocked my the camera right out of my hand. It was in my left hand. It knocked it down to the floorboard of the car. And then what was really creepy is I felt a very cold chill go up my legs, down my arms, and across my back. That was really, really spooker spooky. And this was in the summertime, so I mean you certainly shouldn't experience anything like that. And I remember the coin area in the middle of the car where the coins are kept was rattling. And so that was really, really, just really wild. So I didn't uh, feel like it was safe to proceed any further into the plantation area, and that was my first time ever going there. So I uh, backed the car up, and when I got back by the entrance area, I just kind of pulled on the side, and it was such a shocking experience that I decided to call the local police department. I didn't call 911, I just called their regular number. And I, I remember speaking with a female officer, and I told her my story. And she assured me, she said that uh, whatever I saw was real, she said, because they get calls quite often in the early morning hours when people experience something like this. And so we talked for a while and and you know, I've mentioned to her, I thought some, maybe it was somebody, some kids playing a prank or something, because it was a weekend night, I remember. And she said no, she said that uh, everybody from that area is made very aware that, that you can't pull any type of prank or anything you know in regards to that because they will arrest you for doing so. And I can certainly understand that because, uh, of course, this plantation makes their money off of, um, you know, being the most haunted plantation in in the United States of America. So they certainly don't want anybody pulling pranks because uh, that would, you know, jeopardize their credibility. So anyway, that same night I decided to, um, you know, I was going, going back home after I left. Like I said, I just didn't feel comfortable about driving in there any further. And so I pulled into a local gas station. I saw two police cars and they were inside there. Just kind of chatting and look at their la- looking at their laptop, and I spoke to him, and um, the younger officer he told me he said that um, he never goes into that plantation unless somebody's life is in danger. He said he had been there in there enough and seen enough things, and he just didn't want to partake in that, and he was very serious about it. So I found that you know extremely interesting, and that was my first, um, well, my first uh, incident where I witnessed something there. Then uh, that was in 2007. Also, I should make note. Then a few years later, um, I'd gone back out there and I stayed one night. And I remember there was a couple that left and went to the restaurant. There's a restaurant that adjoins the plantation, and so they had left and gone to the restaurant. And uh, that night, I just I think I was staying there actually by myself that night, and um, and they had a few um, other people around the area in the back area with the rocking chairs areas. And we got you know, in a conversation over a couple hours, and um, the couple that had left right there, it's in the uh, downstairs area where the general general's uh, room, uh, while they were gone, all of a sudden, something just like slammed the door, like trying to just really loud. So we thought somebody was in there, and we assumed that they, you know, it was still early. It was probably around 10 or 11 o'clock, but we figured somebody was upset maybe because they was trying to sleep or something. But when the couple arrived back, we questioned them, and we found out that nobody else was in there. So whatever occurred, obviously, um, was probably initiated by some type of entity. And then there's another occasion, when out there with a couple friends, we stayed, and I remember in the early morning hours, I woke up and I looked out the window and there was some type of entity just looking through the window on the roof, because outside of one of those windows, it adjoins the roof, you could literally walk right out onto it. Now, um, and even one that's just as scary or even scarier. A close friend of mine went. I guess it's been about a year or so ago, and it was about 1:20 in the morning, and we were talking about spooky stuff. Um, we, and then, but I remember that during the uh, point in the conversation, we were talking about how we weren't afraid of any type of demon or anything like that. And all of a sudden, um, this entity is something there's there's a these, in in the upstairs area of the main building uh, is where. The, some of the most uh, prevalent hauntings take place. And we were in one of those rooms that night. And I remember the, um, you know, when we checked in, they told us that nobody else was staying in any of the other rooms that night. So we were alone up there by ourselves in this room. And about 1.20 in the morning, all of a sudden, something, there's, there's doors that join these rooms. And the only thing that, that separates the two doors from getting from one to the other is a latch lock, a, an old type latch lock. Now on both doors, they have the latch lock, on our room and on the other door. That way somebody can't just undo the latch lock and get into somebody else's room. But that's all that separates these two doors. It's a it's a very kind of heavy wooden door. And so about 1.20 in the morning, um, all of a sudden something, it was very prevalent sound. It made the latch, you could hear it turning and clicking and snapping and it was extremely loud. It just seemed like louder than what, what it should be. And then all of a sudden something started pounding on that door and it was just with an incredible force like it was gonna try to just bust that latch open and come in on us. And obviously right off, it startled us. Um, I remember (laughs) my friend, first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to open our door and go outside and just see if we could see anybody outside our door in between where we were in that other room. And my friend, just for some reason, she wanted to um, stay in there a minute or two and just kind of analyze the situation, figure out what might be going on. I think she was concerned that maybe someone was in there, an actual human was in there and trying to break in. And so that's what she was scared of also. But anyway, um, after about a couple minutes, I convinced her that we should unlock the door. Unlock the door, um, I walked over to the adjoining room. Now, in this upstairs area, there's probably about a one and a one and a half, one and a one and a half inch um, separation between the floor and, and the uh, and the bottom of the door. And so you can literally see up in there. And so um, what we did, well, what I did is I, um, I looked up in there and I could see there was nobody in there just like the uh, they told us when we you know checked in there was absolutely nobody in that room um, you could see the the, cou- the couch area there's no luggage nobody was moving around I looked for several minutes and absolutely certain nobody was in there and then during that time the lights went off and on several times too so whatever's in there was doing this and um, so that was just that's just that was just really really shocking it was kind of scary also um, Now there is a uh, caretaker that used to work at Myrtles. I don't think he works there any longer. His name was Moses, and um, he trusted us. You know, we talked to him about a bunch of different things we saw. So he trusted us, and he told us um, some stories. One in particular that was uh, very, very scary and shocking. And I won't reveal that at this time because um, the Myrtles have been very good to me. They've, uh, and you know, and. With my visits, I've promoted them back when um, MySpace was real popular. I used to promote them on there, and I still promote them some on YouTube. Uh, now that uh, you know I have a popular profile on there, but but I, you know, I'm, you know, the thing is that there are some very evil entities at this plantation. There's some good ones and evil ones both. But one thing you don't want to ever do is try to make contact with the evil ones directly. I mean, if they make their presence, that's one thing, but you don't want to ever try to contact these ent- entities directly by any type of Ouija board or, or anything like that because that can be a very dangerous and serious situation. And, um, but as long as, as you go there just to visit and experience, you know, some um, paranormal-type activity and things of this sort, then, you know, I don't, think, I, I don't know one incident where everybody, anybody's ever been hurt at this plantation. But absolutely, without a doubt, it's very haunted. And so if you get a chance to uh, visit, you definitely should.
3: I would like to send a huge thank you out to Charles Rocks, which is YouTube.com slash Charles Rocks. That is his personal account of what happened to him at the Myrtles Plantation. I am so jealous. I want to go so bad. We should just get like a haunted straight bus trip and just head on up there and have a lot of fun.
2: Do you have a story? topic idea, or even a short story you wrote yourself, send it in, call it in, at one 260 3428
3: And let's take this moment to jump into a story sent by one of our very loyal listeners who would like to still remain anonymous. This story is not about me, but my youngest sibling, a half-brother. My two brothers and I, being the only girl, was from a marriage of our two parents. When they divorced, my mother went on to have one more son. This boy was not at all like my other brothers. He was different in a way that's very hard to describe. So I'll start at the beginning. I have a very vivid memory of having a visit with my mother and at the time my one-and-a-half-year-old brother. As a treat, we watched movies and slept in the living room. As cliche as it sounds, it was thunderstorming. I was suddenly awakened by the sound of thunder in the night. All three of us were on the couch cushions, which was a man-made bed we had made on the floor. I immediately looked around for my brother, who had fallen asleep beside me, only to hear him making noises from the kitchen. So I sat up and peeked into the dark room to see what he was doing. He was looking up to the left with his hand in the air, speaking in baby tongue. At first, I thought, oh, he is awake and I need to get him back to bed. When I watched something to his right to get his attention, and he turned his head and started talking and pointing his little hand in that direction. This was creepy to me. While this was happening, there was a glass door balcony to let in all the thunder and lightning, which you would think would scare a small child, but didn't faze him a bit. I followed him around the apartment, watching him go on for a few minutes. At the moment I could take no more, I startled my brother by shouting his name to come here. This made him cry and woke up my mother. I was glad it did. I went to sleep as fast as I could, so I would not have to witness another second of this creepy encounter. More to come. He's a very interesting individual who I feel at a young age has experienced a lot.
2: Call in your own story at one eight seven seven two six zero three four two eight.
3: Thank you so much, Anonymous, for your story. That is creepy, I could imagine. There's something about, as I've mentioned in many episodes, about creepy children that is just... I would rather see something more horrifying than a child. But that also goes to prove many, many points anywhere that you research that children are very in touch with the other world, especially not even being able to speak yet. And I heard you say there's more to come, so I'm really excited to hear more stories um about him, definitely.
4: So my whole life I've had an interest in paranormal-type things. I always watch, like weird ghost shows like Ghost Hunters and like Paranormal Witness. I've always like been really interested in those like TV shows. One year I was watching Ghost Hunters International. They were at this castle in Italy. And if you guys didn't know, I lived in Germany for eight years with my family and my mom was like, we should go to that castle in Italy. She booked us to stay at this, it was like a bed and breakfast castle, and she booked us to stay at this haunted castle in Italy that was on Ghost Hunters International. At the time, I hadn't really had any paranormal experiences, so I was just kind of open-minded about it, and I was just like, cool, like this will be fun. We end up going. The first thing the owner says to us is that like the week before we got there, a guy fell off one of the terraces and died. That was kind of scary. A terrace is a balcony, if you don't know what that is. I was just like, wow, like that's kind of weird timing, but okay, and so we're just exploring the castle, and the guy that owned the castle told us that we were the only ones in the castle. He had to go to some town meeting, So we ended up just like exploring the castle because it was this amazing, beautiful castle in Italy and we were just like exploring it, going in all the rooms and it was really like kind of fun but kind of spooky at the same time because we knew it was haunted apparently. So we were just like walking through the rooms and then I go out on this balcony and I'm like wow it's so beautiful. The view was amazing. You could see like. The mountains and you can see the water and I told my whole entire family to come out onto this balcony everyone goes out onto this balcony and we're just looking at the amazing view the door shuts behind them by itself locks and then the handle falls off of the door just like what how did that just happen so we're locked out on this balcony at this haunted castle and there's no one in the castle so we were stuck on this balcony for at least an hour, and I was starving. I hadn't eaten anything all day. My mom was starving, and everybody was getting kind of hangry. How did we get locked out here? My dad was contemplating breaking the door, and we were like, don't do that. We were trying to figure out how to get the door open. It just wasn't working, and I remember looking through the keyhole, and I could see movement in the castle, and I was like, what? What is that? Because we're the only ones here. That was kind of spooky. I kind of just like disregarded that. We just kind of were like freaking out and we saw these people walking below and we were like, help, help, we're stuck up here. They were like, oh, you're drunk? Ha 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 ha. And they were just like laughing at us. Oh God, like help us. We finally, somehow, the door just like unlocks and we get out of the balcony. I don't know how that happened, It just opened. We were stuck on this balcony for just like an hour for literally no reason. And we finally get off this balcony, we go eat something, we go back to our rooms, and my brother was pretty scared. So my mom and my brother just stayed in the rooms and they were watching Napoleon Dynamite or something. (laughs) And my dad and I were like, let's explore in the dark. We're just walking around in the dark. We have like flashlights and stuff. Exploring this crazy castle and going through all the rooms. We were the only guests, by the way, in the entire castle. We go to this room and I'm standing in the middle of the room and it sounds like someone is in the room walking around me. Like I'm in the middle of the room and it sounded like footsteps were walking completely around me. And it was so weird because my dad was standing in the doorway, I was standing in the middle of the room and we were just staring at each other like, what is that because we're the only ones here what what because we both heard it and it was circling me it was so weird I got kind of spooked and I just kind of ran out of that room we just kept walking around the owner of the castle was actually walking in the courtyard he came back from the meeting he was at he was like laughing at us because we were walking around with flashlights we go back to our rooms of course my brother and my dad get this room, there's like birds all over the walls, like pictures of birds and pictures of flowers and like happy things, and then my mom and I get the room with freaking crucifixes on the walls and just like creepy pictures of like old dolls. My mom and I get the creepy room and my brother and my dad get the happy bird room. I go to sleep and I have this strange dream where my mom and I woke up at 3 in the dream and I remember looking at the clock and we went to go eat breakfast at 3 weird random time weird dream I don't even know but I was awakened by this feeling of someone sitting on my legs why do I feel pressure on my legs I remember like thinking that And it actually woke me up because it was so heavy. I got kind of freaked out. I was like trying to say mom because she was in the bed next to me. I just couldn't say mom for some reason. I was like mom, mom, because I was so scared. I felt like actual pressure on my legs, like someone was sitting on my legs. And then I felt like someone pull me and I actually moved down the bed. My mom, she had her hands like this when she was sleeping. I don't know why but her hands like flew up and out on the edge of the bed and then she lifted up and she woke up and she was like, what? Someone just grabbed my hands, what? And then she looks over and I'm freaking out. Like I was crying cause it was so scary. Something legit pulled me down the bed. And the weirdest part was that I was like, oh my dad could have just played. No, he couldn't have played a joke on me because our beds had bed posts. That means there's no way someone could have pulled me down the bed with the bed post. It felt like someone was sitting on my legs, got up, went around to the back side of the bed, and pulled me from the back side of the bed. After that happened, I looked at the clock and it was 3.55 in the morning what my dream how what and i was freaking out my dad comes in the room he's like you guys are crazy like nothing happened i could not go back to sleep after that happened i never had a paranormal experience before and that scared me to death i was so scared still to this day it's kind of a freaky thing to think about but you know what like it's something that happened and i'm actually like happy that i had that experience because it kind of opened my eyes a little bit but at the same time like that was really scary <laughs> next paranormal experience i had was in my first apartment i lived in this apartment with two other roommates but they both moved out i ended up living there three months alone this apartment was a three bedroom apartment for those three months those two bedrooms were completely vacant I had always got kind of like a creepy feeling in that apartment I remember one time we were having a party and I was sitting on the couch and the couch was right next to where my bedroom door was I had a few drinks of me I was a little bit tipsy I was just like talking to my friend I could see my door out of the corner of my eye I saw it move a little bit and then it started moving all the way and it opened like this much I could see it open and I was like what like is there someone in my room so I went in my room and there was no one there so then I just kind of like forgot about that and I kind of like just went on with my life one day I was making spaghetti our stove was like right next to our fridge and on our fridge we had a bottle of Jaeger <laughs> and I was making the spaghetti, my roommate was eating behind me at the table, and we were just talking, and then the bottle of Jaeger flies off the fridge, hits me in the back, and lands on the floor. And I turned around and I was like, I thought she threw it at me, and she was sitting there like, and I was like, what just happened? Did you throw that at me? She's like, no. How did that just happen? like, it just flew off the fridge and hit you in the back. What? Like, how did that happen? That's so freaking creepy. And we were just talking and she said that before that we had all moved in the apartment, there had been someone that died from an overdose in that apartment building. She didn't know which room it was in, but apparently the person died on the bed Basically, sat there for like three days, his dead body, and no one like knew that he was dead until the apartment complex p- owners came in to the apartment and they opened his door. His dead body was on the bed for like three days. They didn't notice he was dead. So basically that kind of creeped me out they didn't tell us which apartment it was in that that happened in and i bet you they didn't even change the beds because you know it was a cheap apartment complex and Um, I just don't think that they would have changed the bed. So someone was sleeping on a bed where someone died, probably. That kind of freaked me out, but I kind of just, like, like, whatever. I mean, I lived there, so, like, whatever. I'm not gonna, like, think about it 24-7. Then my roommates moved out. When my roommates moved out, things got kind of weird because, I mean, I was completely alone in the apartment and i did hear things i heard like people talking but you know it's an apartment complex so it could have just been my neighbors or people around and it could have been many different things but i did hear a lot of noises and a lot of questionable things and i got kind of freaked out just being in that apartment alone nothing really bad happened i just moved out and that was the end of that apartment during the summer that i was living in that apartment I had one of my friends over, and we were actually watching the show Paranormal Witness. And so I started talking to her about, like, if she had any paranormal experiences, just because I like to talk to people about it. She told me that when she was younger, she would see this, like, shadow... In the corner of her room she wasn't really specific about like what it looked like or where it was in her room she got so scared by it that she rearranged her entire room so we were just talking about that whole entire story and we just like went to sleep maybe two to three weeks later I went to her house and we were just having like a sleepover we were drinking alcohol just like having fun watching like silly movies I wasn't thinking about anything remotely paranormal at all. And then we went to her room to go get another movie to watch. I went in the room with her and we picked out the movie. We went to go, go out the door and I went to turn off the light. But when I turned off the light, I noticed something in the corner of her room. And I looked and it was this shadow figure, like straight up a shadow figure it looked like a really tall man with pointy shoulders and like jagged like edges. It was really weird. I'd never seen anything like it before. It was freaking scary. And the guy, he didn't have a face. I mean, I'm saying he's a guy because he was just really tall and slender. Didn't have a face. It was just a black shape with pointy shoulders. I like freaked out. I was like, is that what you saw? Like, is that the corner you saw it in? And she said, yes, that's the corner I saw it in. And I was like, it's right there right now. I see it. And she was like, oh my gosh. And we just bolted out of her room. That scared me to my core. I had never seen anything like that. If there's such a thing as a demon, that is a demon. I honestly, the feeling I got from it was nothing like I'd felt before. I was scared at the Haunted Castle when I got pulled, but that was nothing compared to the feeling of that shadow figure. That shadow figure it just made me feel like it was looking down on me. It just was the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen. It had the weirdest shape. It didn't have a face. It was like blurred out and like Jagged, it was the weirdest thing. It's, it was so scary. <laughs> honestly, that thing scared me. I don't know how she's left in that room because I wouldn't have been able to, honestly. I've had more things happen to me since then, but that honestly, out of everything that I've had happen, that was genuinely scary because I felt like it didn't have any good intent in it at all. So those were basically all my paranormal experiences so far.
3: Those awesome personal stories come from Alluring Adriana on YouTube. Go check her out. Those are some really cool stories. I love when I can find some stories that go together well from some like really good storytellers. I get so sick of hearing my own voice. So if you do have a story, please don't forget to call it in at one 260 3428 That's going to be all for The Haunted Estate episode 5. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week for more spooky stories, spooky topics, and everything spooky in between.
2: Thank you for stopping by The Haunted Estate.